Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodged the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 133 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. And again, we're approaching the weeks before the college football season officially kicks off. And you can tell because we are both extremely busy doing about 100 things outside of finding time to meet for this podcast. But Joshua has been very busy. He is actually not even back in Columbus. He's been traveling because you are touring all 14 teams in the Big Ten. This sounds exciting. Tell me where you've been so far and and what's this like? Yeah, so we're three days and two stops in. Our first stop was in Lincoln, Nebraska. We got to check out the Cornhuskers. And then today we were in Champaign, Illinois. So today is Saturday. Um, checking them out for practice. Our next stop isn't until Tuesday, uh, where we will head to Evanston. And then from there, we go to Wisconsin. We'll fly to East Lansing. We'll go to Ann Arbor. Then we'll go to uh, State College, visit Penn State. Then we've got Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State, Indiana. We'll head back out west. We will do Minnesota and Iowa. And then we will finish off with Purdue. Wow. I mean, that's exhausting just listening to it. Um, what What is it like for you when you're going to these campuses? Because you once played against a lot of these teams. So you've technically been on some of these campuses, but now you're looking at it from a whole different perspective, from a broadcaster's perspective. So what has that been like for you? And what have you learned just in the first couple of days with some of these teams? It's a wonderful question you asked. So we played every single one of the teams in the conference when I was at Ohio State, but I hadn't visited every campus, specifically Nebraska, which was our first stop, obviously, and I have not been to Iowa yet. So for me, it was cool to get on the campuses just to kind of check out the different cities and look at the facilities. Nebraska's obviously got a rich culture, which is fantastic, and uh, they've got a new AD in there, so he's trying to change things around, which is pretty cool. Um, Watching them practice was unique. Because, um, you know, they're, they're a team who's trying to make some strides and take some steps. So Scott Frost, yeah. you know, this is maybe their second padded practice, started off the practice as soon as they were done stretching with, um, you know, a, a scrimmage for two periods. And he just wanted to get up the intensity. He wanted it to be physical, which they achieved. And then I went to Illinois, like I said, today. And the thing that stands out about that program, new coach and Brett Bielema, who is familiar in the SEC, He's got a plan, which I think is phenomenal for his team, and he's extremely organized after having spent some time around Bill Belichick in the NFL, so I think this is a wonderful opportunity for him. Very veteran team. They've got 22 super seniors, and they look like a veteran team because they've got some really strong player-led leadership. Um, The facilities there are phenomenal. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And a lot of people wouldn't know it, but they've put a lot of money into those facilities. I would say it's, it's better than Ohio state. And I know you're familiar with the Woody. Um, yeah, I mean, just everything that they've done is awesome. So one of the cool things I get to do since I'm the young guy around, I'm the only one who has any type of presence on social media and can probably relate to current players is I do kind of fun segments, which I'll continue to do throughout the football season. 
but today at Illinois, they've got a bowling alley and they've got a uh, putt-putt course. And Whoa. so I played putt-putt with a few of the guys, which was phenomenal. And I've got some content coming on that. But uh, it's just really cool. And to tie it all together, not to take too much time off the top of the show, but I get to meet all of the ADs and the head coaches and coordinators and everything. And it's really unique because, for example, we we ate dinner with Brett Bielema and it was cool. a, a very unguarded situation, you know. Yeah. And, and so he told us some really valuable information and we got to see a little bit of his personality and his philosophy, which is cool. And it's the same thing a lot of times when you're talking to ADs off the record. Um, mm-hmm. They will they will tell you some really cool information and just kind of you get to see their vision. And yeah. every school operates differently, but they're all trying to achieve the same thing. So it's really fun to kind of see just the way that people want to get the job done. That's a really interesting note to see or hear that you all were able to kind of be able to see a coach outside of his coaching comfortable area, because usually even if you talk to a coach one-on-one, you're in the facility, you're at the practice fields. Mm-hmm. And so to go out to dinner with him, I, I'm sure, like you said, you could learn some valuable things because I'm sure these coaches feel a little more comfortable and open up a little more. Uh, speaking of going out to eat, because when you go to these different college towns, you have to experience the food. And I know mm-hmm. you're no stranger to experiencing food. So is there mm-hmm. anything in the last two stops that stood out to you that you had to have? No, I mean, it was tough because I got in Nebraska so late. It was like 930. So um, we went to Speakeasy in town, which was pretty cool and had some cocktails there. And then we hit Tina's Cantina, a little Mexican spot uh, right down the street from the hotel, which was not bad. In Champagne, we tried to make a little evening of it after we had dinner with Coach, uh, which they hosted at the stadium in one of the suites, which was super cool. Neat. But we ended up trying to, you know, hit up some places for some drinks. And it was a we called it an early night there. So haven't had the full experience. But they've got the the guys who I've been working with have been doing this going on 15 years now. So they've got all the spots scouted out. Wow. The the thing that I'll say just in terms of the coaches, too, is these guys are all so different. Like when we were in Nebraska, Scott Frost spoke with us. We spent a little bit of time with him, uh, mostly after practice. but. Uh, he's a little bit more of a reserved personality. He's not the most social guy. So okay. I think the time spent there with, with Trev Alberts, who's the new AD, was extremely valuable because he's a little bit more sociable. Mm-hmm. Brett Bielum, on the other hand, invited us out to dinner, which is a, a unique circumstance. Um, and then during, well, really before practice, he invited us to sit in on meetings, which was super cool. That's awesome. And then before practice on the practice field, he kind of gave us a rundown of what to expect and things to look out for and players to watch, which was valuable. And then even after practice, he came came up and asked us some of our thoughts. And he's like, you know, I love talking to football people. I want to kind of get some insights from you all. And so like the experiences were totally different where Scott is definitely a guy who um, is going to spend time and he appreciates the relationship with BTN, whereas Brett is way more open. And uh, you just kind of get to feel the different personalities and just the way that these people operate. I can't wait until you give us the report in a couple of weeks on what uh, PJ was like up there in Minnesota. That's what so, I'm looking forward to. PJ, you better bring your suit game. Well, I know. Well, this is a real casual event for us. I so know, but I just want you to wear it just to one-up him. 
I know. That's what I got to do. I, I spent some time with PJ at Media Days, and he gave me a copy of his new book, Roll the Boat, which I read, and it was actually fascinating and very interesting because wow. it gave a window into his life a little bit, but also his leadership style. Um, yeah. It's going to be fun with him because he likes to do, for lack of a better term, kind of the dog and pony show where he takes us around and shows us everything and does sure. that. And I've, I, that's a, a, a facility that we played in Minnesota, but I've never really seen the, the nerve center of yeah. these places. So it's going to be super fun. This is really, I mean, really interesting stuff. I'm glad you shared. And just for the listeners, like I said, we're so busy. Um, Joshua is going to continue his tour of these programs over the next couple of weeks. So we'll probably take next week off and we'll have a guest uh, on next week, the week after that. And then we'll be back to normal as the football season starts. So anyways, um, we'll move on to some of the craziness that's happened in the past week and a half or so since we last put up our episode and it's now, you know, now that we know that Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC in what they say is 2025, I think it's going to be sooner than that. Now, Um, let me, let me jump in on that real quick. Okay. Do you have some insight on that or am I off, you know, off the note saying that it's going to be sooner or do you really think it's going to be 2025? From what my sources have told me, Texas has already raised the $85 million exit fee. That doesn't surprise me. So I don't know. And there's a lot of red tape and agreements that have to, you know, be considered and everything else. And there's, you know, some lawsuits now that are pending. But just in terms of their readiness financially, it's done. Dang. They got the money. It's incredible how fast this happened. And again, nothing surprises me anymore. But it's just the way that it accelerated I think that surprised me just to where we're at now, where we're already talking about, okay, they're going to join way sooner than what we think in all of our opinions. So it's just going to get things rolling even quicker when it comes to these other conferences. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about when it comes to these thoughts on the Pac-12 and the Big Ten merging to make some big 20 Pac-20, you know, type of conference. I I know these this is just talk right now, Joshua, but I know also that these other conferences in the Power 5, they're thinking we have to to be better than the SEC at some point and maybe this is the only way for the Pac-12 and the Big 10 to try to one up the SEC. In your eyes, would this work? So, it, that's a a really good question. And I think there are a couple of sides to this conversation. Mm -hmm. The first one for the big 10 is I think they're really comfortable with the TV package. And um, I know from just (laughs) being with the big 10 network, which is a Fox uh, owned company that Fox really values the big 10 and some of the schools as assets. Um, And so from a TV perspective, I think they're good to go. The PAC 12 on the other hand, they've got some work to do. Um, from the perspective of relevance for the conferences, that's where this gets a little bit more dicey because now you look at the South, the SEC obviously was the clear cut best competitive conference for football. And then you add two blue bloods and that just kind of increases their cachet. Mm-hmm. If you're the big 10, specifically Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, the last thing that you want to be is forgotten about in terms of recruiting, because now, 
all the SEC schools are going to go out on the trail and basically say, if you want to play against the best competition, this is where you're going to come. Yep. And so if you're yep. Ohio State, you, you don't want to lose recruits to that conference because that's what they're pitching. Um, so that becomes interesting. The other thing that there is to consider is non-revenue sport travel. Um, that apparently is a big hiccup right. in this conversation because you don't want to have the swim team having to go out west when they don't make money. Um, also, that becomes a stressor in terms of academics as well. Uh, True. So there are multiple ways to look at this. Now, the thing that uh, a lot of smart people have said, and I consider myself to be one of those smart people because I thought of this, yeah. is <laughs> a, a scheduling pact between the two conferences where in football now you can say as Big Ten we're gonna we're gonna bring back some of those traditional Big Ten Pac-12 like think Rose Bowl essentially kind of matchup so you'll get like Ohio State Oregon like we're gonna get this year you'll get that more regularly you'll get uh, mm -hmm. Penn State and uh, USC or you'll get a uh, a Michigan UCLA type of matchup which I think is very palatable and that does well in terms of TV that's a, a great production if you can pull that off. And so as we look at a merger, I think it becomes more so that these teams are going to have kind of an agreement to be in business together. And I think that agreement is easily tied in with TV partners. And I think that makes a lot of sense to maybe keep it to just football and basketball so you can keep your non-revenue budgets intact. And I think that that's a good solution because you're right. I mean, you can't be losing money with these other sports that don't bring in the money. And, and the flip side of that is you would anticipate if they were able to pull something off that the TV dollars would go up. And so that would offset sure. some of the costs, but at the same time, it's, it's a stressor and it's probably something that if you don't have to cross that bridge, you wouldn't want to do it. Right. And, and look, we're talking about college football now is to me, it's just, it's becoming a free for all. I mean, it everyone's is. doing. I mean, the NCAA is pretty much irrelevant at this point. They are because it's it's funny, right? I'm cutting I mean, you these off. Conferences right now. are doing no. I'm just saying, like these conferences are doing what they want. At, talk because, to coaches, talk to ads. They have no faith in the NCAA, and and they get sure. frustrated because they're they're you know like nobody wants to just break all the rules and buck all the trends, and so they're waiting for some sort of direction. It's just not coming, and this is yeah. not just in terms of this conference realignment it's not just in terms of nil it's like this super senior thing is now bringing up some issues with roster management because these guys get a free year right now but then they got to figure out how they're going to get back to the scholarship limit the ncaa is doing nothing in terms of making a rule about that and like it's it's all these different issues yeah and it just i don't see and i don't have any faith in mark emirate who just got a, an extension and it just like to me it it just boggles my mind that, first of all, <laughs> they kept him thinking that anything would change or anything would get better. Because what did he do when he was in his position? Absolutely nothing. Now that's why we're at the point that we're at. Uh, speaking of extensions, I did want to mention that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey did get an extension through 2026. He is more than like worth every single penny of everything i mean i'm like pay that guy what he needs because back he up has the bridge done, truck my goodness he has he has done so much for the sec and he does it in a way that it seems almost effortless and even during the pandemic 
the, the way he dealt with things. And, and I'm not saying he's perfect, but when you look at what he's done as a whole, there's not much bad stuff to say about Greg Sankey. And that's why sometimes I wish, like, if there was a Big Ten Pac-12 merger, you could, like, yank this guy out of the SEC somehow and just just see, you know, what would happen if he wasn't running the show here in the South. Because I think you have to give him a lot of credit for why the SEC is so dang successful. Yeah, and well, it's not even just, like, it's not just that. Like, he pulled together this this Texas-Oklahoma thing, which yeah. is phenomenal. All the while, he was the main guy leading the charge for the 12-team playoff, which is now an issue for um, everybody else outside the SEC because they feel like he was making moves to expand the playoff while also making moves to expand his conference that people didn't know about. Never got mm-hmm. leaked. Um, and it, it's just like he's literally they, they have that saying, you know, such and such is playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers. He's been playing chess for a while. And yeah. everybody else is playing tic-tac-toe. Like, they're not even playing right? chess. Maybe he's, yeah, he's just, it's hard to, to say that he's not one of the best in terms of running things in, the, in, in you know, sports programs, whatever you have at conferences. I mean, he could do pretty much anything, if you ask me, uh, just with the way that he's um, executed things over the last several years. So moving on to another Big Ten, I guess, subject you might say. So the quarterback, um, quarterback prospect, I should say, Quinn, and it's yours, right? Yours. That's what, yeah, that's what I thought. Quinn Ewers, um, he had recently announced that he's going to skip his senior season of high school and he's enrolling at Ohio State, uh, making him eligible this season. So there's a lot that's going into this. There's a lot that's been said. A lot of people have had opinions. Clearly now there is something to be said about NIL maybe like having these guys do this this and I don't think this is going to be the first guy I mean it's going to become more of a trend do you agree with something like this do you feel like this is something that should be happening with kids that are just in high school and they're not going to finish you know their whole entire high school career uh not a fan necessarily of that movie yeah and what'll be interesting is I think the response from uh Texas high school athletics and other states, um, high school mm-hmm. athletics governing body, because they're going to want to make sure that they can keep their best players in high school as long as possible. Also, if you're Texas, you might have thought that you would have had a, a chance to keep him in state with Steve Sarkeesian coming back and right. a good season. Um, you might have been able to make a little bit of a late push for him. And that's what Buckeye fans are worried about with, with Quinn Ewers. But now he's at Ohio State. Um, and Again, I was an early enrollee, so I skipped the last half of my senior year. And I think that's a pretty Mm -hmm. typical thing now. I think foregoing a full senior year is very unique, something people probably aren't ready for. Now here, and I put this tweet out, actually did numbers, um, but just talking about Ohio State's quarterback room. So you got C.J. Stroud, who is uh, a former five-star. Jack Miller's a former four-star. Kyle McCord's a former five-star. And Quinn Ewers is like the highest rated quarterback basically ever outside of Vince Young, one of the highest rated recruiting prospects ever, all in the quarterback room at Ohio State. And all of these guys have freshman eligibility. All of them have freshman eligibility. That is a a problem, a good problem, but it's an issue if you're Ohio State because uh, you have to make sure that you can keep some guys on campus for depth reasons. And it's 
like two of those guys are definitely going to be gone. Yeah. If not, three of the guys will be gone within two years, if you really think about it. And I think back to the 2014 season where we ended up on a third string quarterback who won us a national yeah. title. Um, you don't have that luxury anymore of having three quality quarterbacks on your roster because of free transfer and the fact that all these guys want to play. Um, everything else that goes into it. So there's this idea of managing rosters and you talk to college football coaches and one of the things that they talk about is re-recruiting their kids. And they have to be very open and very honest with the guys that they bring in, but they have to make sure that those guys are happy where they're at. They have to make sure that they feel like they have an opportunity to play at some point. So Ohio State now has to deal with four quarterbacks, freshman eligibility. All of them were highly recruited. And one of the guys is one of the best recruits that we've seen ever. Um, they got some issues now. Well, really quickly, when you were talking to some of these coaches recently, do they feel like college football is just changing so drastically that it's maybe going to be such a more tough job for the, a, a tougher job for these guys, not only just to coach, but because there's all this stuff that goes into recruiting now that you have to think so much more about. I mean, I feel like their jobs are going to get much more complicated. It is complicated. And I think there is a, a cost and a benefit to it. Like, I think these guys like having the flexibility that comes with it, but I also don't mm -hmm. think that they like to be in recruiting mode all the time, especially with guys that are currently on the roster. And you, you listen to some coaches and some coaches are programs that are based in high school development. Like PJ Fleck uh, took a bunch of grad transfers this year, but he talks about how he wants his program to develop kids out of high school. Um, and I think a lot of coaches feel that way, but also mm -hmm. you hear some of the strategy that goes along and they'll say, if they, you know, they got 25 scholarships to give out a year, they'll do 18, scholarships to high school recruits and then they'll hold back seven scholarships for grad transfers and then there is a little bit more gray area and how you can recruit a grad transfer and so they've had to get creative with that and then a lot of programs have shifted to having two recruiting directors one that is solely in charge of recruiting high school kids and breaking down those tapes and then the other one is in charge of basically following the careers of the guys that they had offered and they really wanted in their program that went elsewhere. And then looking at basically the other guys that happened to the portal and making breakdown tapes of their top, you know, 40, 50, 60 plays to evaluate to see if they want to take a grad transfer. It is a unique time in college football, just in terms of recruiting and roster management. Yeah. I mean, we thought that these coaches didn't sleep before these coaches aren't sleeping. Like, no. No. Oh my no. goodness. Maybe they need their own endorsements for energy drinks because they're going to need a lot of them to get through the the next couple of years of trying to figure out all this until there's like an actual structure to it, you know? So yeah, it's the wild. The few years are going to be probably the biggest frenzy. And then once it gets figured so out, like, here's what I think about is all the kids who hopped in the portal that, that either yeah, did not get an offer at all, or they had to walk on somewhere because where they wanted to go didn't have a scholarship. Like, I think this thing kind of slows down a little bit once players realize the grass isn't yep. always greener. I think so too, but you live and you learn. And that's mm -hmm. you know, when you make new rules and whatever, it, it's going to be a little bit rocky for a while, just like anything, just like starting a new job, you know, yep. and then you get used to it and it's like, okay, we're getting in the flow, but you're exactly right. Um, these guys are probably going to see some of them that the grass isn't greener on the other side 
but that's just part of the process. Uh, well, we appreciate you, first of all, taking the time to, to hop on here because I know you're busy with these tours and hopefully you guys can understand the next couple of weeks or we're going to get what we can get out in terms of content. Uh, Joshua will be back and probably worn out <laughs> in a couple of weeks, but I'm sure you'll have some great insight to share with us. I can't wait to to hear about the trip to Minnesota. So I will be asking about that for sure. Uh, where can folks go to follow you on social? Because clearly you're putting some stuff up right now. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and my brand new TikTok at RIP underscore JEP. <sighs> That's what I need to check out. So I need to check out, I need to make a, t- a TikTok first and foremost so that I can watch you on there. So Yes, that's what you should do. Okay, perfect. And then you're going to have to teach me how to do it. Well, All right. I, folks. So here's, here's, here's. Oh, did you figure it out? No, here's my cheat code is I send it over to our, uh, our, our social media team at BTN, tell them to chop it up and then they send me. Oh, look at so. that. <laughs> I'm cheating. I need to be- Right? Man. Well, at least you got the content. That's all that matters. You can follow me at Kaylee Anderson TV on Instagram, Twitter. And we appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode of Press Pass. Make sure to uh, listen or see us on social media when we will put out our next episode. Until then, take care and have a safe week, guys.